Awesome. Uh, well, I guess uh, as an opening question, uh, always a safe one to just ask if you guys can uh, introduce yourselves to the audience who have just started tuning in now there uh, and uh, give a bit of an elevator pitch for Below the Stone as well. Uh, I'm Mike, Mike Carroll, uh, the president of Stroll Art and the main producer, uh, the lead producer, uh, artist and uh, designer for Below the Stone. So if you have any questions Below the Stone related, I'm the guy to come to. And um, I don't know if Scott wants to introduce himself before we get into Below the Stone first, but it's up to him, I suppose. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it real quickly. Uh, yeah. Scott Miller, uh, first game was Kingdom of Cross back in 1987. Boom. Yep. And uh, Below the Stone uh, was really a... Um, sort of a, a like a a really weird tale to begin with like all all the way since the beginning um we didn't even start uh, usually indie games start with a design document um we chose to just well when i originally came up with the con the concept for below the stone it was just some core elements it was we were thinking all right this is going to be a roguelike there's going to be procedural generation and each time you descend into the caves it's going to be a completely new cave system so if your character dies, um, you don't get to go back and find your stuff. It's going to be locked down there forever. So it's going to be something where players are going to have to really decide what items they want to bring under the surface. Um, and it's something where we wanted to make it so there is this core element of every descent is going to be a new adventure. Um, and obviously you touched on uh the roguelite element there um so it's going to be something that you're hopefully going to be playing over and over and over and over um yeah. how much focus has been put on that sort of gameplay to make sure that you are drawing people back in to to descend again and again yeah of course um the thing is with with below the stone um with the help of our lead programmer andrew um, we're hoping to make it so, like I said before, every descent is going to be a new adventure. And we're not kidding with that. We're going to make it so every biome is handcrafted pixel art by the lead artist, myself. And uh, what we're going to be doing is essentially every biome is going to have its own almost like capsule of what it's going to be. There's going to be a unique creature, unique resources you can only find in that biome. So no, it's almost like throwing the dice every time you go down. It's going to be a random set of different things where maybe one time you go down, you're going to find a certain set of biomes. The next time you go down, it's going to be another set of biomes. And it's all sort of segmented into layers where every layer gets more and more difficult as you descend. So the first layer might have 10 unique biomes that are only specifically found on that layer, right? And to get down to the next layer, you're going to have to find a dungeon. And that's going to be sort of a real test for players to make sure that you're ready to descend to the next level. There's going to be a level boss. There's going to be treasures you can find in that dungeon. And it's up to you if you want to decide to go down or not, if you're prepped enough to go down. So you can spend as much time as you want on that first layer, coming back and forth from the Dwarven Kingdom, storing your items safely, doing your crafting. And really it kind of comes down to you. Are you brave enough to go down the first time you see that staircase? Or are you going to be like, all right, I'll, I'm going to hold back a little bit and uh, prep a little bit more, maybe defeat this boss a couple more times, make sure I'm really ready for it. Uh, and you also mentioned uh, a procedurally generated element there. Um, 
people like to to throw around that term a lot, I guess, how much is actually procedurally generated? So every biome has a certain set of things that happen in it, right? There's going to be a certain certain fauna, creatures, uh, uh, flora that spawn in every biome, uh, sometimes certain ores that spawn in each biome, but they're, they're almost like capsules, right? Where um, there's certain things that set in that biome and you'll only find in that biome. Um, meanwhile, the caves are twisting and turning where that is completely randomly generated, where you're going to find yourself finding different paths and different ways through this area, through these caves. Um, and like I said, every descent is going to be a completely new generated system. Even the dungeons are going to be completely randomly generated rooms and everything. I know you've probably played a lot of roguelikes where, and I'm sure a lot of your audience too, that's played roguelikes where it's just these kind of rooms, right? Um, we completely thrown that out and said, let's make this like, what if we, instead of making these little rooms that are randomly generated, what if we made the whole thing randomly generated? the entire layer, everything. And of course we have to have some limits, right? You don't want to see, um, you know, um, a lava pit in the middle of a swamp that doesn't make any sense. Right. So of course there's like a little handcrafted element to it where we have a selection where things belong and stuff, but it's up to the player to find those things. And, uh, the whole game is about exploring. So finding those things and getting rewarded for the effort of finding those places with all those resources that you only find in those areas. Uh, And you also mentioned a sort of unconventional start to the game. Uh, So I guess, how did you end up settling on, on dwarves and uh, this whole going down and mining sort of aspect? Well, yes, the game is about dwarves. So if there's any um, gnomes or elves in your audience, that's like a trigger warning real quick. Um, So that we chose dwarves because, I mean, they're dwarves. So you you can't really beat that. Um, Really, you know, there's there's not too much past that other than that. I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory, right? Um, But in reality, I, I just love dwarves. I love fantasy. And that's kind of what I wanted to have this setting be about. It's it's about these dwarves, these these um, master craftsmen, and really that fits the whole uh, this whole setting of the game. It's it's about crafting, it's about exploring, and, and that just fits dwarves so well. And that's why dwarves were you know the obvious choice for a game like this. And there's a lot of dwarves as well in like popular culture and movies and in books. Yeah. Uh, did you draw inspiration? Uh, either for the sort of story dwarven element or even the gameplay element from other places? Yeah, I mean, uh, Lord of the Rings. I mean, my favorite movie series ever, my favorite books ever. Um, You know, it's something where even in my like D&D adventures, I always play as a dwarf. And I'm sure there's, you know, people in your audience that are just, you know, um, avid fans of dwarves. You know, there's just a natural urge to love dwarves it's just something that certain people get i mean there's certain people who don't get it you know the people who play elves in dnd but you know for us i think we both kind of understand um you know where where our dwarven love comes from yeah uh life domain cleric was my dwarf (laughs) (laughs) um and then you've taken the the kickstarter route um the, the game's going up on there uh, I guess, why did you take that route and have you found it uh, particularly useful? 
Yeah, I mean, we went in um, early on. We did a original Kickstarter, um, and we didn't quite make our funding. Um, now, a lot of people wonder, like, and I'm sure your audience would also ask, what happens to a Kickstarter after it doesn't get its funding? You know, so, does it just disappear? Does it just turn to smoke? Um, really, um, we decided to make this um, what ended up in our mind a massive success. Um, in no other place would I call gaining hundreds of new fans and getting the attention of Apogee Entertainment a failure in any way, even if we didn't make the funding on our original Kickstarter. So we're coming back to Kickstarter as a promise to our old fans who stuck with us, who've been asking for more than a year now. Um, when is the Kickstarter going to happen? We promised that a Kickstarter was going to happen. And now is the time we're going to be doing it. And it's going to happen in late August of this year. And we are hoping to expand the scope of the game with this Kickstarter. And really, it's a promise to our fans in fulfilling that promise. Uh, and then I guess question for Scott here, because uh, you obviously would have seen that Kickstarter and I guess what drew Apogee uh, to this game or made you want to reach out? Yeah, I'll get my chance to talk because Michael will go okay. on and on. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you know, uh, when we first um, decided to reboot Apogee, we were scouting sort of the internet, uh, you know, various places for, you know, indie games that we might be interested in you know, like on early access. And of course we were scouting through Kickstarter <clears throat> and I ran across this really cool game that reminded me actually of my original game that got out, you started uh, kingdom across where you're going down in levels, kind of a roguelike game. Uh, but I love the, the super charming hand-drawn uh, graphics um, that Mike is hitting his team are doing um, <clears throat> just saw a lot of potential. And uh you know, after um, reaching out to them and getting rejected a couple of times, but finally, finally getting to talk to them, um, you know, and hearing all their plans for the game, they had a, a bunch of unique ideas, a lot of sort of systems-based gameplay of, you know, crafting, exploring, fighting, uh, all this procedurally generated stuff. Uh, the fact that you could, uh, you know, while you're down in, in on a level, uh, you know, you can you can make your own paths through, you know, solid walls. And it's a good thing to do anyway, because you're also mining in this game. You're looking for materials that you can then craft uh, to build, uh, you know, gear that you're going to need on the deeper levels that are, that are harder. For instance, you know, you might come across a level with a magma floor, but you can't get across that until you, uh, you know, mine the exact resources you need to build the, the correct boots that allow you to walk on this, uh, this hot floor. So, this game's just full of depth, full of replayability, and uh, it was the first game that we ended up signing. Nice. And then I guess uh, for for both of you, uh, we're talking about the, the Kickstarter coming back out in late August. Uh, the Steam release date is set to whenever <laughs> the Fat Dwarf sings. Uh, I'm not going to ask for a specific date on that one. Oh. Um, oh, I'm fine answering that. Um, okay. We are, yeah, we're planning on early access quarter two of 2022. So, oh. that's when you've woken them up to sing. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, it's already again, like an inside joke with uh, the whole community right now. They're waiting for that fat dwarf to sing. So, <laughs> <laughs> they only got a little bit longer to wait. Not a huge amount. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> 
a yeah. little bit. <laughs> uh, and then once it comes out, obviously early access, um, how important is that sort of initial and early player feedback going to be to uh, change the game? Is it something you're looking to iterate a lot on or something that you're just going to want to maybe ch- tweak a few things here or there? I think we're we're going to basically have a full um, that early access is going to be sort of the um, what's the word a vertical gameplay loop. It's sort of this idea that we have all the components and now we're just building upon them, right? That's sort of the idea of what we're going to be doing for our early access for Below the Stone, where we're going to have several layers and we're going to have it where players can. Um, equip themselves, they can customize their character. We take a lot of inspiration from Terraria as well, where um, we don't quite have our items uh, as abilities or spells. They're actual physical items that you carry on you. So I'm sure you can kind of put together the pieces that entails a lot of risk. When you die and lose your items, you know, you lose quite a lot. Um, So it's something where every time you descend, you're going to have to really think about these things. Um, but to really answer your question, we're planning on having a full vertical slice of the game. Um, we're going to try to aim for three layers by early access, um, all with, we're going to have, for each layer, we're going to try to have at least 10 unique biomes. Um, so that way, every layer feels, has their, its own character to it, its own creatures to it, as well as the individual biomes within it have their own creatures and you know experience you gain from it. So that's kind of what we're going to be aiming for, for early access. Uh, and people, I guess, uh, love to hear that there's a plan, you know, uh, they don't want to hear, oh, this is what we're going to throw out there and then we'll just sort of <laughs> throw our hands in the air. Uh, this seems like a game that you guys have notepads upon notepads of, oh, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. Yes. Um, yep. And I was wondering if you were willing to share some of these uh, things that might be scribbled down on yeah. a notepad. I mean, one of the things um, we talked with Apogee about uh, very early on, one of Scott's ideas was to add a system of sort of something that was a little bit in the game already, this sort of um, almost Terraria-inspired combination of, um, and Torchlight, I believe, right? Uh, Sort of combining gems and creating sort of a crafting chain where you can combine multiple gems to create more and more and more powerful gems that you can slot into armor, into weapons. So there's sort of this idea of building systems on systems on systems and creating sort of a complex thing that different players can get into. Maybe some players will choose to kind of use it. Some players will get really into it and really go deep into it and like uh, optimize the most meta game set they can possibly do. And then other players might choose to be more casual about it and say, all right, I'm fine with the, uh, tier one gems I happen to get. Um, there was that idea. Uh, we have plenty of biomes planned. I mean, I'm already talking about uh, 10 unique biomes per layer with a possible, like at release, we're hoping to have five layers set up. So that's already pretty intensive on my side as the artist. So um, there's a lot of plans and a lot of paper. And it's funny enough, again, like I, I think I said it before, where this game didn't even start as a game design document. Typically, when you go into a game, you have all this stuff planned. Like, you usually see it in, in game dev circles. They they almost, uh, new developers always ask, where's the GD at? GDD at? I want to see what that GDD is about. 
And we just kind of didn't have one. We had core concepts and we've built on those core concepts since the beginning. Uh, and you mentioned the art there. Uh, I'd be remiss to end the interview without asking uh, about the art. Just how much time uh, do you have to put into each little piece to to make all of that pixel art? Um, I don't count it. <laughs> it it ta- it's uh, it would take too much time to count out how many hours and and months. I'd probably say like months straight of just years working on this. And it's something where um, I hope people appreciate it. You know, it's something where um, a lot of thought goes into every biome and the feeling of every biome too. Um, I, I'm even down to the point where I'm creating new. Usually, when people make art for a game, they almost want to. Um, you've seen it in games before, and I'm sure everyone in this call have seen it before in games where it you'll have a slime, right? And then in a new area, you'll have a blue slime. And the next area, it's a red slime. And the next area, it's a purple slime. And you're like, I've seen this before, you know? And it's something where in our game, we want to make it so every area has something unique to it. And I mean, like, actually unique, not a red slime, a blue slime, a green slime. I'm actually talking about real differences between all these creatures and stuff that you'll encounter. And I want it to be something where I hope people appreciate that because I'm even thinking about that to the level of the rocks you see on the ground where I want to have certain rocks and boulders that you only see in one area, but you'll see different shaped boulders and rocks in a different area. And obviously that's intense on my side, um, but it's something where I believe that's important, even though it's so subtle and it's so minute. It's something where I think people, when they see just a recolored thing they've seen in the past, it it almost instantly in their brain, they go, oh, yeah, I've seen that before. Oh, yeah, I've seen that creature before. And again, I hope people appreciate the amount of time that kind of goes into that. Um, I know maybe it won't, but for others, maybe it will. Yeah, I've I've dabbled a little bit and like I've given up on just how long it takes to to do even just one piece. So I can't imagine to to do a game of the scale, um, all of that effort. Um, and talking about future plans, just a quick question: There's not going to be an Alvin expansion pack at all. Uh, okay, so unfortunately, we are planning on at least one elf being in the game. Um, yeah, I know. I I. I, I apologize. Um, there, there's this plan to have an elf in the game who's going to be this master potion maker, right? Um, that you save from the caves. We're actually making it so the the kingdom, this hub area that you go back to every time, you sort of expand on it, right? Where every time you return, um, you can, not every time you return, but you'll have a chance of saving an NPC from the caves and bringing them back to the kingdom. And you'll be able to bring them back and you'll see them every time you're at the the kingdom now. So, and one of those people is the potion master who's going to be an elf, but her excuse is, Oh, I'm not actually an elf. These ears are from a, uh, my ears, my pointy ears, they come from a, a potion experiment. Um, that's going to be the, you know, excuse, but we, we kind of know, you know, that, you know, she's kind of fibbing. Yeah. Uh, and I guess just to, to wrap it all up, if people want to uh, know more about Below the Stone uh, or maybe add it to their Steam wishlist or see it on Kickstarter, uh, are there some easy links for them to, to head to? 
Yep. Strollart.com. That's uh, where a lot of our stuff is. Um, and again, I really appreciate this interview and I appreciate the time you took and uh, setting everything up. That's my line. I meant to be thinking. <laughs> well, I try to change things up a little bit, you know, I, uh, I, I, again, I really appreciate this interview, you know, and the amount of time you went into this and uh, the questions you gave. And I can tell, you know, you're a, um, an avid uh, dwarf lover yourself and you can appreciate, you know, uh, dwarven culture. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. You've, you've shaken me by stealing my line. So I'm just going to repeat the line <laughs> and just say thank you very much for, for coming along. Yeah, no problem. The, uh, the feeling is mutual. We'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll copy paste your line and just put it there. Yep. Uh, All right. Awesome. Yeah. I'll cut that. Thank you. All right, cool. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, so, Grady, um, thank you so much for your time. I know we've all, we're all saying that back and forth now, but, yeah. but as, as it's been stated, we do appreciate you taking the time to uh, to chat with Mike and Scott. So I'll I'll start recording that line, and I can just hit play on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That sounds sounds like a good plan. Um, in just a little bit, I'll be sending over just a follow up email with you, just to make sure you have all the assets you need. Uh, if there's anything else, please reach out, and we'll get you what you need. Well, thank you very much for your time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Yes.